Everybody, welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your host, Josh Shrinka. And on the other line, I have my buddy Christian Vaughn. What's up, dude? What's up? Episode, How you doing? Episode 111, man. 111 episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel like these last 11 episodes have taken entirely too long to put out. Uh it was not that long ago that we, or it was, feels like forever ago we did the hundredth episode. So, so oh, yeah, we're definitely we're, uh, we're we're slacking a little bit. Um, and this, I was thinking this might, I don't I don't know if it's going to be, but it might be the last episode of the year. So I, I I'd like to do one more if we can. Um, do like a, maybe a year end wrap up, talk about all the highlights and lowlights of our season um mostly low lights uh but <laughs> but maybe we can try to do that before the year's up and uh you know have a have a little just reflection on our season hey, am i uh am i echoing no you sound okay. good. Uh, right, good um yeah dude well it's also our second um our second podcast in two days we yeah. did a uh we did a an episode last night with uh, some buddies over at Working Class Fishing Podcast. Um, we should have like a, double posted that, by the way. We definitely should have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are. Uh, it's actually just called wor- Working Class Fishing. Uh, so Brian and John um, Morris had us on to the uh, podcast, and we you know shot the shit for. Or, about an hour and a half last night it was a good episode i think it went pretty well just talking smallmouth talking fishing in general uh i maybe asked the dumbest question that's ever been asked on a podcast about lassoing sturgeon (laughs) yeah i asked if it was possible if people really did lasso surgeons or surgeon and uh and brian was he he was flabbergasted by my (laughs) Well, <laughs> hey, you didn't come up with that idea, do you? That 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 idea was planted by uh, I, he's a I don't you know we call the one dude the angel. Oh, mm-hmm. what, what do we call him? What's he's the, the de- he's the demon, dude. He's the demon. Yeah, <laughs> he's the de- he's the ego demon. <laughs> he, he yeah, came he, in and torched. He like basically roasted us and then went straight to the bar. I'm sure. And <laughs> I've made caught fun more fish than you boys have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, for those, uh, I think that episode might be a lost episode now. I don't. Yeah. I think that we deleted it. Didn't we had we? some uh, illicit activities that we implicated ourselves in. <laughs> We had, we had to delete <laughs> yeah. the old episode. <laughs> we deleted the whole episode, so I'll just I'll just tell the story again. So because we told it last night on the on their podcast, and I was thinking like, oh, I guess our most of our listeners probably haven't heard it, but so we we showed up to the cabin up on the Saint Croix last year, and uh, I walk in and I'm with a fireman, a proven first responder hero, Danny Shrinko, Josh's baby bro, and. Uh, <laughs> I walk in and we immediately, my ears, my nose perks up and I smell natural gas leaking in and, you, you know, it has it. that, that distinct <laughs> natural gas smell. So I go, I'm alarmed. I thought, I thought natural gas was scentless. No, well, it is naturally scentless, but they add a chemical to it to uh, give it a scent so okay. that you don't blow your house up <laughs> worst case anyway, scenario <laughs> yeah worst case scenario so i so i walk in i go you guys smell that natural gas right and everybody just sort of like yeah i don't know what that is you know whatever danny and i are both convinced it's natural gas and we go to the room we find where it's strongest like immediately like as soon as i walk in i noticed it josh and his buddies had already been there for a while the all the achigan boys had been there for a while and uh, so they, anyways, they they come into the room where the smell is the strongest, and Josh's like, "Yeah, it smells like natural gas, but you know, it doesn't smell that bad." And I said, "Well, we need to get somebody out here to take a look because it could blow the house up." 
And Josh was like, no, we don't need to do that. And I was like, well, what if the house blows up? And he goes, yeah, that's worst case scenario. The house blows up. Worst case. And I was, I just looked at him like, yeah, that is the worst case. We all die in an explosion. <laughs> Anyways. So the guy comes out to take a look and he basically, he found out we were on a fishing trip and we were from out of town and he started Immediately came at us. He said, I said, do you fish? And he said something to Derek, like I've seen, I've caught more fish than he's ever seen or something like that. And <laughs> so he immediately came at us and, uh, we were all just kind of laughing and, and then he started talking about how he lassos sturgeon. He waits for him to swim up through the rapids and then drops a lasso on him and lassos him. So I, Knew he was bullshitting. I was like 95% sure that he was bullshitting. But he was probably um, about half drunk, too. So. He did seem drunk. Yes, he did <laughs> seem drunk. As a for a plumber that was inspecting our, our natural gas explosion, his first instinct was he lit a match near where <laughs> he the, really did. <laughs> near where the natural gas was leaking. And I was like, uh, okay, well. You're the you're the professional. I don't know. So, anyways, well, I told I mean, I what's asked, the worst that could happen? He could just blow up the house. Worst case scenario. Yeah, worst that's the worst scenario. case scenario. So, anyways, I I asked uh, one of the sturgeon fishermen on that podcast last night if he's ever lassoed a, a sturgeon, and he was he just looked at me like, "What are you? What are you asking me, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I guess, uh, so go check that out. Working class, uh, fishing on, uh, I think they're on every, you know, all the platforms. So go check them out. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, a little, I would say, um, intent to this episode tonight. So, uh, we do a lot of, you know, just kind of bullshit episodes, which is, is good. You like, know, easy. It's bullshit. good. I don't yeah. like that. Yeah. We just bullshit. Um, but tonight we're we're doing a, a topic that Chris and I have kind of texted about over the last month or so, and it's ten ways to become a better smallmouth angler. So, and you know, really, the reason why we're doing this is, you know, we, you know, we've had this podcast this is season four, we've been going on a while, and we're we're trying to just you know take it to the next level. You know, I've done a little bit of market research and. Uh, you know, podcast dude. There's people making you know millions and millions of dollars off of it. Us and, uh, included. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I did did some market research and I came across an article of a a girl that has a podcast. Ew. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ew. Uh, <laughs> uh, she has a podcast. She's out of Indianapolis and she has like a staff of like thirty people. She started her podcast in 2017. Um, okay. <laughs> it made me feel a little bit like, wow, like people are actually accomplishing things. <laughs> she had like, we, a, only, we only have like 15 employees. I know, dude. <laughs> if we had 30, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, dude. So I, I think one of the things I know, she, so if just you guys imagine, are, but just imagine if she was a man, how much better she'd be doing. Yeah, That's what I'm exactly. <laughs> Much more qualified. Uh, I mean, the, she'd probably be doing at least thirty percent better. That's just the statistics, my man. So, so that podcast is called Crime Junkie. For those who haven't listened to it, it's, I I personally don't care for it that much. I've I've listened to it a little bit, but um, it's out of indie, so it's kind of cool that there's a big podcast out of indie. But it got me thinking a little bit, and you know, I don't I don't know why, but the podcast um like landscape is like dominated by true crime and i i don't i really just don't understand why that 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 they go together like audio and true crime but there's like it, honestly it's what got me listening to podcasts you know serial was the first podcast i ever listened to it's an excellent season 1 if you have not listened to serial have you heard that before Serial? Serial? Yeah. No, I've I've never heard of it. Do you know it's about uh, the Adnan? Um, I can't remember the dude's last name. Anyways, it's a great podcast. It's true crime. But it got me thinking, like, you know. You look like more of a cereal eater 
Unless like a serial <laughs> listener. <laughs> Easy, buddy. Don't cool. don't knock. Chris gets a Peloton, dude, and he's like over here spelt like he gets on the podcast last night and is he's like I was like what the fuck is up with your hair, dude? You're you were soaking wet. You're like oh yeah, I just finished workout. <laughs> Dude. dude was soaked head to toe, dude. He was a wet boy I'm, if I ever saw one. <laughs> I'm doing self tanner. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm got. I got a competition coming up, dude. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> he's been in the tanning bed. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm becoming a hot boy. Yeah. Well, it it got me to thinking though. It's like maybe we should pivot Smalley talk. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we should. You know. Okay. And, and you know, my idea. Hear me out. My idea is we should keep the small mouth thing, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's working for us, but we should turn it into a true crime small mouth podcast. Oh, okay. So crime right. fishing crimes. Yeah. Like crimes against small mouth, you know, okay. it's like, you know, do you think about the, you know, the best, most popular, <laughs> most viral fishing stories, you know, you know the guys right. that cheated in the walleye tournament, dude. How much? Oh. At, how much attention did that get? You a know, lot. yeah. A lot. So, so, so I'm thinking like, I'm like, you know, what kind of things could we, you know, what kind of things could we like talk about that would be interesting with, um, you know, be interesting crimes against smallmouth. So first thing I thought, I was Hold like, on, let me give you, let me give you a little intro music. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Do your first crime. Small mouth crimes. <laughs> this is your small mouth crime podcast. <laughs> okay, so the first first thing I thought about. Um, well, you've actually thought about this. Oh, I thought you were just yeah, yeah. No, Let's no. First thing, first thing I thought about, you know, one of the biggest crimes that you could commit um, is a fly guy using conventional lures and calling it a fly. <laughs> I, I plead the I, fifth. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you know there's a hot debate in the fly community of like tying flies that are not really flies you know like right. i feel like that's a pretty big crime we should like investigate you know Dude. these things and we should I have like that. investigative journalism uh you know calling uh call you know claiming a really trophy sized fish aka you know 23 incher with no mm. No proof or a suspect picture, crime? a suspect picture. Yes. Like, is that a, we can, that's fraud. We go, we can, <laughs> Oh, it's fraud. absolutely. It's fishing fraud, dude. Um, you know, could you be, have, you, you this have is like, more like a fact check, like fact it, check. It could be fact check. Fish and check. Then, then I feel like we could confront people, you know, we could, right. we could oh. like do like a, you know, confront them on the river. What about guides that chronically abuse like small rivers? What do you think about that? You know, they just, yeah. they pound rivers day in and day out. We could go on the river and confront them about their abuse. Hey. I feel like, <laughs> <All right. laughs> and it's a small, and it's a small river. So they could, they could hear us for sure. We'd yeah. Feet away. yeah. Keep, uh, no, keeping think, it. Hang on. I, I got more. I got more. I, I'm no, sure you, no, I got we're, more. Not have any friend, we're not going to have any friends by the time this, these segments actually hang get. On. Hang on. What Come about, on. Go ahead. so keeping a 20 incher, right? You know, you would, oh, you would have to, you know, that's a big crime. That's murder, dude. Uh, that's murder in the, in the 20th degree. You know, and, and I put this one on the list. I can't imagine anybody ever actually doing it, you know, mm-hmm. but like fishing for smallmouth on beds. You know, I feel like, you know, I feel like <laughs> I the fifth. <laughs> there is a, um, so your first one, the, the, uh, fly with the artificial lure on a fly rod thing. There is like a really great Hank Patterson video. You ever watch his stuff? He's like a, he's, it's like a world famous, he, he calls himself like the world's greatest fly fishing guide or something. Mm, he like just that. does like really funny videos and, uh, he did one where these guys are, he's teaching these guys how to fly fish and they're asking about streamers. And he's like, well, how come these are called flies if they're facial, if they're, if they're shaped like bait fish? And he goes, well, a fly doesn't have to be a fly. A fly can be a, a minnow. And the guy's <laughs> like, okay, so I can throw a rapala. And then he's like, 
well, no. He's like, no, you can't. And he goes, well, what if I put a feather on it? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a really great video. If you haven't seen it, you should go check it out. The guy, that guy. Hey, I mean, it, it proves my point, though, dude. But uh, yeah, I think we, you know, the wet boys need to comment with some other crimes against fishing, crimes against smallmouth on our Instagram and, you know, like give us some ideas. So it's, I think we might have a spinoff going here. So let's think, we got to think of a, a short, snappy, like hashtag so that people, people can hashtag it and uh, uh, smallmouth crimes. I mean, I think that or fishing crimes. Yeah. Okay. I, I feel like just hashtag fishing crimes. You know, make a meme, you know, just put up a comment, whatever. I, I'd like to see your hashtag fishing crimes. I think I'm sure that these boys can come up with some some wild fishing crimes. Another fish. one, low holing, dude. That's a crime. That's that. It doesn't get much worse than low holing, dude. No, I mean, it truly doesn't. Yeah. Somebody low holes you. Whoo, buddy. I mean, I used to enjoy getting low hold, just to be honest. <laughs> You did. Back in your days of less experience, low holing was a very frequented thing of yours. <laughs> yeah, I used to love to get low hold. But, you know, yeah. times change. Your preferences change over time. You mature, you know? Yeah, you mature. You you start liking other things, you know? I don't know. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's get... Let's get... Yeah, no, let's do this thing, dude. We've We've put the... This is the one of the only times that we've done an actual outline for an episode. I think we've done this maybe two other times in our 111 episodes. Uh, so yeah, and it's you know the list is going to be turn your volume down a little bit. I'm getting a little echo now. Um, okay. Uh, so the, you know this list is going to be less like throw this bait and more like. Uh, just overall big picture strategy, um, then, you know, I think a lot of the content out there for fishing is a lot of like, Ooh, you know, fish these type of baits or this technique or whatever. Um, we're not really going to, you know, talk about that specific of things. Um, but you'll, you'll see kind of as our list goes on, if you pay attention, we may break this into two episodes, depending on how far we get with this. Um, but it'll it should be pretty useful information. So, so without further ado, without further ado, can you hear that? Can you hear that I drum roll? I can, and it sounds very good. Number one, um, time on the water. Um, the number one way for you to get better as a smallmouth fisherman. Yeah, and obviously this applies about any fishing, but. Um, it's the rule of 10,000 hours. Yep. Yeah, that's a very... Uh, what book was that? Um, the tip... No. Wasn't it a glad... Uh, Michael... Yeah. I, don't, I can't I don't remember. Um, I don't remember. I read it. Uh, it's not the tipping point, right? It's it's a Malcolm Gladwell move, a book, It is Malcolm Gladwell, for sure. Um, but I don't remember. You know, but the... You know, there's a lot of sayings that go with this practice makes perfect, you know, whatever. And I actually have a little bit of a suggestion here um i feel like instead of when we go fishing we should tell our wives and our friends and our family that we're practicing i feel like yeah. that's a lot more like we're working towards something you know <laughs> be like hey babe i'm i'm going out to practice <laughs> you know i mean yeah i think we should just start calling it from now on <laughs> practice we're pr i'm just out practicing yeah i mean for real um uh, but yeah, I mean, there's not anything on this list that we even touch this. Like this is all the other things on the list combined. It outweighs it by 10. Um, it was outliers, by the way. I just looked it up. Yeah, it's good. good Which book. we both read because we've talked about it before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the premise of that book is exactly what you'd say. You know, they the whole thing is like it's proven that if someone does something for 10,000 hours, they be basically become extremely proficient at it. They become an expert at it and no one can become an expert at anything without putting in at least 10,000 hours into it. And, uh, I think that is like, you know, yeah, one, of the, one of the, it's more of like, that's a dick to, I would say it's a dicta of the book. The I think the, I thought I took the primary point 
from the book was away. I took my takeaway was that yes, certainly drive, talent, hard work, all of those things play into a person's success, but certainly their their the conditions to which they are born and the conditions to which they, you know, find themselves or the conditions in which they find themselves yeah. have a, a huge impact on how they turn out. So for yeah. instance, like yeah. Bill Gates was lived right, right place, next right to time. one of the first and only places where people could practice coding, you know? Yep. And so he went and did that regularly when nobody else was doing it. And he just happened to be become proficient in coding right at the time when that market exploded. So yeah, that 10,000 hour thing, I think that was a, like an excerpt in that book pretty early yeah. on it. And for whatever reason that stuck with me in that book, but the Bill Gates thing was extremely interesting. Also the, why Asians are considered smarter, you know, like uh, that whole, do you remember that part? I don't the consider them smarter. <laughs> I do. <laughs> They're better at math. <laughs> uh, but no, there's like a, you know, it goes into, you know, how when the, back in the day of rice farming was an extremely like a labor intensive thing. And that work ethic, work ethic was passed down to their kids, but it all comes back to the point of we're getting at is the more you fish, the better you get at it. Now I feel like there are exceptions to that rule, right? You could, you could fish the wrong way a bunch and not, and like, I think more so do it for relaxation and not try to figure the fish out you're not necessarily going to get better. But if you go out there with a purpose, like you're really observing and you're trying to catch more fish, you're trying to catch bigger fish, just sheer time on the water is just going to exponentially make you better than most people that aren't spending that much time on the water. Would you agree? I think it does a lot of things for you. I think one of the things like that I thought, like when I, when I'm, you know, I'm still of course trying to get better and, and, you know, learning every time I go out just like everybody else. But like, I found that like those decisions where you're like, I've only got two hours to fish. Is it worth the drive? I've got the time, but is it worth the drive to go out and do it? Those two hour trips, I think add a lot, you know, just being, just putting two hours on the, on the water because the next time you go out, you've been out more recently. You knew what the, you had at least some idea of what the fish were up to, you know? And I think that, you know, time on the water especially like when we're really hot and heavy into fishing, you know, from those months of like April, you know, all the way through like uh, November, you know, in those months, the more time you spend on the water, you're going to be more dialed in about what those fish are eating, where they're at in the water column, where they're at, you know, in the river. And I think that that time on the water both informs what is going to work the next time you go out. And it, it also helps you obviously develop, technique and helps you i mean you learn something new every time you go out if you're doing it the right way i mean that's to me what makes fishing uh very interesting is it's never the same you know maybe two days in a row could be the same but two weeks in a row won't be um and it's hard though like if you don't if you go fishing like once every two weeks like i mean i I spent uh, this is the least amount i've fished in years this year, you know, and I, I had trouble. Like if you're going out once every two weeks, once every three weeks, you spend the first two to two and a half hours sometimes just trying to figure out what kind of pattern you're going to find them on and where, where you're going to find them and what, you know, what's going on in the river and, and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas if you've been out in the last few days, you've got a pretty good idea where to start from. You know, you've got a pretty good idea of, of where to look first and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think some of that carries over from season to season because you can say, well, you know, last year about this time, this water temperature, they were doing this thing, but dude, fish are just very, I mean, it's like practicing for a tournament is one of the like most, um, it exposes you the most because you see other guys, you know exactly how many fish other guys are catching. Um, and you can see, Oh, I didn't adapt fast enough, you know, 
and you might have caught them in practice, and then the next day is like, oh, I did the same thing, and they're just those little kind of minute little changes make all the difference in the world. And yeah, it's uh, and sometimes the year it's different than others. You know, I feel like I can go out in the early spring and just do the same thing every year. And like, I'm not going to catch a ton of fish, but I know what those big fish will be doing. Um, but you know, as you kind of progress later in the year, you know, really after the spawn, it gets, it's pretty tricky. It's, it changes very rapidly. I would say that. So, but yeah, you know, go out, go fishing as much as you can. I'm sure nobody is going to shy away from that advice, uh, to, fish more um there's your doctor's yeah. note dude go fishing more yeah be like the boys the smally talk boys told me to go practice <laughs> i gotta go practice i gotta go practice <laughs> i mean but yeah i mean you think about like professional athletes like you know anybody that's an expert at what they do like a big part of what they spend their time doing is practicing their craft and yeah fishing is you know, going out time on the water. That's just getting experience. It's, uh, I, on that episode with Jeff little, I talked a little bit about this, uh, about how fishing is very instinctual. And, you know, a lot of times you do things that you don't know why you did them. Right. But because you've subconsciously caught fish, you've subconsciously like, created a habit in your mind of like oh i'm gonna cast upstream of this log to the left of this rock instead of downstream and to the right and you don't really you're not thinking at the time like oh the fish should be sitting here because of a b and c it's just well i've caught more fish casting upstream and to the right of this rock than downstream and to the left and it's like this earned instinct it's like this you're on the water you've repeated it time and time and time and time and time again so when you go up to these things, you're not, you can't fishing. I, I don't think there's a lot of, at least the type of fishing we do. I think when you start getting into more like deep water, reading electronics, it gets a little bit away from that. And that's, I think that's why a lot of people doesn't, don't like it, but it's very, just like, it's not very analytical. It's just more like read and react type of thing. Um, and that's something that I really enjoy about it is like it, you know, my work and your work is very just like you got to get very deep into topics. You got to get very deep into things and the nitty gritty fishing is not really like that. And I think some people try to make it like that, like nerd out fishing and maybe, you know, the super elite guys, maybe they do that more than I realize. but I think a lot of it, good fishermen, just, they're just good at it and they, they just, for whatever reason, have that instinct. And I think a lot of it is just they, a lot of guys up to a certain point, they fish a lot. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's get, let's move on to number two here. All right. So we got number one was Tom in the water. Number two, um, this is, uh, we're going to call this the Hoosier state fishing rule. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Derek. We love you, bud. Um, but number two would be uh, switch presentations less. Like try to limit the amount of times you're changing lures. And I'm I'm not even saying from a um, on a on a single trip. I'm saying like in general, instead of having forty things that you throw throughout the season, wean that down or whittle that down to like ten. You know, throw fewer things and throw them longer. And, you know, really it's, it goes to the whole thing of like be a master of your trade, not, not a jack of all trades or master of one, not a jack of all trades. And, you know, I think what a lot of guys will find is one, a, a lot of presentations that you throw, whether that be fly or conventional or whatever, you can fish a single presentation a lot of different ways. Like you can tie something on and fish it slow, fish it fast, fish it higher in the water column, lower in the water column. There's obviously exceptions to this, like a, you know, a buzz bait or whatever, but even a buzz bait, it's like, 
you can burn a buzz bait. You can really, really slow. You can knock it off trees. There's all kinds of different things you can do with it. Little nuances that if you don't commit to something and you don't throw it for long periods of time, you won't ever figure out like, oh, I started doing this with that particular lure in this situation and it elicited a bite. Whereas like, you know, fishing it the other way didn't. Um, you know, and I think fly fishing is probably more lends itself more to this than anything because you guys have less, I feel like less options than conventional um, just because you're working with like fewer gadgety type stuff. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I see you Chris throw dude. I mean, really when we, when we go out, Chris, you know, 90% of the time he's got either some kind of, game changer or streamer on now they can be different sizes different colors but a streamer a boogle bug and maybe like a crawl some kind of crawl imitation from a fly perspective i mean that's pretty much what you fish right yeah you know i mean tell tell our listeners like what what's going through your mind with that stuff I just look at it like I know those three things are one of those three things will be working either mid column, bottom or top water. And, you know, I think that sometimes we get a little into the, you know, well, I got to try this color. I got to try this size or whatever. And, And certainly I'm sure sometimes that matters, but like, I would say more, if, if you're not getting them, uh, on top, middle or bottom, I would say more just like change up how you're retrieving them, you know, slow down, speed up, do a a twitch, twitch, pause, you know, whatever, before you start cycling through a bunch of different flies that are on bottom or a bunch of different flies that are in the middle or a bunch of different flies that are on top. I always try, at least in the warm, warm water months, you know, between April and, or not April necessarily, but like May and, and, October, I generally will, before I change my actual flies that are tied on my rods, I just will change how I'm presenting those flies. And then, you know, if, if how I'm presenting those three flies that I've tied on for bottom, middle and top isn't working, then I'll start changing flies and getting, getting crazy. So we've all had the days where we, you know, look down and we have like 16 different lures you know, or flies cut off. But those are, those are probably just hard fishing days. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And, and rarely, I mean, I can think of like, you know, I can think of a couple times where like there was just a lure that we found. That's like, holy shit. Like this is just what they want on that day. And they don't want anything else. You know, I remember a couple days before you got into fly fishing where it was a tube, black tube. You remember a couple of those yep. days where it was like muddy and yep. like one of the two of us were throwing a black tube and the other one wasn't catching shit. And then, you know, we tied on a black tube and it was like, that was a ticket. But most of the time it's like, if, you know, we, we spend a lot of time fishing together and it's somewhat unique in the fact that you are more of a fly fisherman. I'm more conventional fisherman and we get to observe kind of each other's thing. Like, usually like if you can catch them on a fly i can catch them on something conventional and if i can catch them on something conventional you can catch them on a fly like are there exceptions to that yes spinner bait yeah i kill you with that spinner bait bud (laughs) if you're on a spinner bait i'm gonna have a a kind of a rough day it's tough to it's tough to match that yeah it's definitely one of the one of the unique things but yeah i mean the whole deal is like i feel like if you look at really high level fishermen like guys that either win money fishing or they guide or whatever they're usually known for doing like one thing really really well like they're not known for like you know they're like i said there are exceptions but like you know it's like i'm trying to think of some guys that are really good like kevin van dam he's probably a bad example because he can do everything really well (laughs) but i know he's like really good at like suspending jerk baits. That's like what he fishes jerk baits a lot. Um, you know, like, uh, who's the guy that's like a big 
uh, Mark Davis is like crankbaits. That's like what he fishes, like crankbaits. You know, there's there's just guys that are and and I don't necessarily think, um, you know, those guys obviously fish other things, but they just gotten so dialed into that one presentation that they figured out how to catch fish in a lot of different scenarios using that presentation. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like, um, I think that's something that your everyday fisherman can do is like force yourself to throw some, like, honestly, if you haven't done this before, do this, you know, one of the times like springtime's a good time to do it because you're not going to be missing out on a bunch in the springtime. Just pick a lure before you go. Like, and only fish that lure. Like, take one rod and do just like commit yourself. Like, I'm not going to throw anything else. And, you know, some guys that do that a lot are the swim bait guys, you know, which I have a lot of respect yep. for those guys. Um, but you know what they find is like they don't catch a lot of fish, but dude, they do catch big fish. Like, they catch, you know, double digit largemouth, you know, they catch big smallmouth on them, you know, and they they commit to that. And they become really good at that particular presentation. So just, I would challenge our listeners, all you wet boys out there trying to become, you know, better, better smallmouth fishermen, like tie, go out one time this spring, tie on one lure for an entire day and do not, you know, do not change it. Just throw that one lure. And you may get done with that day and be like, fuck Josh, I can't believe you told me to do Mm -hmm. that. But I think what you'll find is you'll be like, wow, I would have put this down after about 30 minutes and I ended up catching a a 21, you know, something like that, that you probably wouldn't have caught otherwise. Um, And then you'll start observing how the fish are hitting it and you can maybe change it up a little bit, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people suffer from is they, you know, they just, they like to change up stuff too much. I think not even that they like to change it up, it's that, they think the solution is let me get the the thing that the fish really want and it's not on the end of my line and that's I don't most time that's not the answer to the question right most time it's either like you said fishing just sucks or they just want it a little bit different way or in a little bit different spot so yep yeah you have anything Very else good. on that on that point no I think that's good okay well. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and introduce numero tres. Fish new places. Just, you know, we get, it's really, when you only get to fish once or twice a week, it's really hard to give up the known spots that you know are going to produce and go fish somewhere else. You know, especially if you like, you know, you're at, I mean, it took years and years and years for us to find, kind of tune in, And, you know, even still we're discovering new spots that we like and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's really difficult to say, well, look, I know this spot over here is good, but I'm going to go try somewhere new just because I'm interested in trying someplace new. But really, like, you know, trying someplace new does a lot of a lot of things. It adds a lot of tools to your tool bag. Like, you know, you're fishing different structure, you're fishing different uh, current you know, and figuring out new water is one of the best ways to really try and figure out fish behavior. Because, you know, when you go to those same old spots, you're really more thinking like, well, I fished this spot before and caught fish. Whereas when you go to a new spot, you're fish, you're trying to figure out, you know, hey, I I think that a fish could live here based on these factors that I'm sort of analyzing in real time. So, um, that's like a, you know, that's a really good way to sort of, uh, you know, break m- the monotony of going to the same place one and two to kind of, you know, really learn quite a bit about, about what the fish are up to and, and behavior and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I think that's been somewhat of an evolution for us. You know, there's been a couple seasons where we found like really good areas and we just beat them to death um and i remember at one point it's like we would we wouldn't go anywhere that like wasn't like 
one of those like top three places, you know, we would just be like, Oh man, we want, and I'll give you credit, man. You've like pushed us, um, to be like, Oh no, let's go try a new like stretch. We haven't been on. And I, I, I kind of like, Oh dude, I just want to catch fish, you know? Um, especially if you don't get the fish as often as you'd like. And, yeah, it really does. It, there's a couple advantages to it. One, you just find you find more places that you can go that are like fun to fish. For one, like there's places we would have never known about if we, and yeah. you know if, if we didn't hit them like you know at the right time, we may have thought like you know. And I would say this: don't just try them once. Like always, go back two or three times because we've hit some places like man. If we would have went here for the first time on this day, we would have never came back. And there's probably places out there like that now, you know, that we've hit one time and we're like, this is Definitely. shitty. Definitely. Yeah. One uh, thing that I try and do, like, uh, just to kind of dial down, like, um, for the guys that do both fly fishing and conventional fishing, I like to go to new spots when the conditions are most favorable or when I think they're going to be most favorable. So like, which when is the, the hardest was, time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Which is the hardest time to do it. But like, if you're really going to give a new spot, a fair shake, I think you got to do it. And also like, I don't particularly like to fly fish new water either. I like, you know, I will do it if I just want to fly fish that day or whatever. But like, I do prefer to go out with the conventional gear because I think it, it increases your chances of, you know, you catch more fish, it's easier. It's a lot easier. And I think that you, you know, you increase your chances and you also can, you know, if the, if the water looks a little different, you have a lot of diversity that you can throw out there. You know, you can throw a lot of different, you know, uh, you know, you can throw high vibration baits. You can throw a lot of different stuff out there to see, is it, is it the spot? Is it, uh, you know, or is it just, is it just what I'm fishing with or whatever? I think it, I think, you know, allowing yourself to be able to throw all kinds of different baits out there and lots of different patterns is a, is a, a good way to figure out if the spot is worth coming back to or not. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've become, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, but we've become pretty good at finding places that have potential uh, before we actually commit to go out there and there are ways that you can do that but ultimately like that's point number eight dude that's so yeah on the list it is but i mean the thing is like you really don't ever know for sure until you just go like yep you just don't and we made the mistake of going back to the well too many times and you know like oh this place has been good historically i'm gonna keep going back there and you know it's like it well, goes in just, cycles. It, it, yeah. it will go in cycles. Like I can think of a couple of different stretches of river, like four or five mile sections where like one year I caught like nine, 20 inches off of this one, like two and a half mile stretch of water. And I, on like only like maybe seven or eight trips, you know? And so the next year, what do you think I was wanting to go? Like every single weekend I was wanting to go back to it. And it just never produced the same way for whatever reason, you know, like on, especially small flows, like, you know, you can get a tree that falls into a spot and it'll change a mile of river. You know, it'll yeah. change a mile to a mile and a half of how that river's holding water, how currents flowing around specific structure, the channel will swing, you know, whatever. And just something about it, it'll just never fish the same way. So, you know, I think that, you know, having a lot of different spots in your arsenal, it helps, it helps, you know, in those types of circumstances, because it's not like you don't have to go completely explore again. You know, you've got a lot of different spots from, you know, years past. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And it, it does make you a better angler. Like it really does because it, it's to me, it, a lot of this is going to tie back to our first point is like, it gives you more experience on more diverse sets of water. And really, you know, a lot of times in a river, like fish behave differently inside of, you know, a specific river system just due to like forage or whatever. 
And if you experience, you know, you're on a trip or something, experience a, you can kind of draw from that experience of like, oh yeah, this looks a lot like this river. You know, I'm finding crawfish that look like this. I bet you they, you know, you can draw on that experience. Whereas if you just are a guy that just, you know, goes out and fishes uh, the same, you know, 10 miles of a river or the same lake or, you know, the same even river system is like you're seeing the same kind of the you're not you're not there's no diversity there. You're not you're not becoming well-rounded. So, you know, and we talked about this last night on the podcast. You should travel man. like if you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably into smallmouth fishing, man, smallmouth are very much so worth traveling for. Like we've had some just awesome, awesome, awesome trips. And we've had some not so awesome trips, you know, traveling, but like things that like I've learned a lot traveling into other parts of the country, catching smallmouth. like, man, I would have never thought, you know, this would have been the case. And we, you know, you see different things, see a lot of cool stuff too. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's a good, that's a really good, uh, really good thing that people can put into practice. So do you have any more on that one? No, I don't think so. All right. So number one, time on the water. Number two, switch less, switch techniques less. Number three, fish new places. All right. Number four, uh, this is going to sound somewhat counterintuitive, but stop fishing. Uh, now I don't necessarily mean literally stop fishing. I mean when you're out on the water, don't like fish all the time, especially if it's you know clear water. Um, you can learn so much by just observing, by just putting down the rod, standing up as high as you can get, and looking around, and really like not moving. Like if you just it's man, I can't tell you how many times we've done that. Like, uh, you know, you'll be uh, a good example is like you like, you know, maybe you're uh, in the raft and you pull off to an island to eat lunch. You're just like sitting there. And then like you look over and you see a smallmouth dart out of somewhere and just smash a, you know, bait fish right. or something like, holy shit. Was that I that was like 10 feet from us. Like that fish was right there. Sometimes it's even easier than that though. Sometimes it's just, we get so like laser focused on like watching our, watching that fluke hang there, watching that game changer hang there, watching, you know, feeling our rod tip while we're Ned rig fishing, watching, you know, looking in the general vicinity of where our bait is at. Right. Sometimes if you just, stand there like in your when you're waiting just stand there for 30 seconds and and look around you know look downstream for 30 seconds look upstream for 30 seconds you know you you will see a lot of that stuff you'll see fish chasing you'll see top water eats you'll see you know a lot of stuff that's really helpful in sort of figuring out what the pattern is going to be that day and you know, a lot of times you, you'll see more fish than you thought were there. You know, if you oh, get up on yeah. the bank and are looking down into a spot, you know, you'll be surprised a lot of times at how many smallmouth are just there. And, and well, you're... it's, it's the same, it's the same concept of like deer hunting, right? Like if you go out like hiking through the woods, I mean, I've been through several hikes I'm like, man, I didn't see shit. I didn't see any squirrels, you know, I didn't see. But when you like are in a tree stand, you're just like not you're not making any noise. Right. You're not disturbing nature. Like you're like, man, the the woods are alive. Like there's shit everywhere. You know, there's chipmunks, there's you know, bugs, there's rabbits, there's squirrels, there's deer. Yeah, that's usually when you don't see deer, actually, but um <laughs> you know, like it's just stopping. And observing that this is another Jeff little thing, you know, he's real big about like watching, like he like, well, you know, watch, like if you see a small mouth, like don't just like cast right at it, just like watch and see what it does. And so many times we've like, you know, and it's natural. Like you see a big fish you're like, Ooh, that might be a big fish. Let me make a cast like within 10 seconds, you know, it's like, boom, I'm on them. And then you ruin it. 
you don't have any context to what that fish is doing. Like it's dude, I've seen some fish do some crazy stuff. Like one of them that comes to mind is when, uh, you remember when we went out with Dave white that one time? Yes. Um, do you remember that fish? Do you remember that fish that was swimming in circles for like 45 minutes? Do you remember that? So it was yes, on the, you know, the rock, you know, the rock that you were standing on that I took a video of you jumping off of. That was that yes, same trip. Yeah, I do. You remember, remember it was like an 18 inch smallmouth, and it would make these like, it was like in pretty fast current, but it would make these like, it was, it was like on a track. It would go like downstream to this one rock back upstream to this other rock and then make a, like a loop. And it just kept doing it. Now, I think that had something to do with like pre-spawn, you know, because I, I think it was starting to get towards that time frame. Right. Um, but dude, it was like, it was cool just to see like, man, what, what the hell are these fish doing? Like this thing's, you know, and we, we weren't able to catch it, but like, if you watch a fish, a lot of times you'll get clues on like what, what it's doing, you know, you'd be like, you know, oh, it's, it keeps going up to this, like, you know, keeps going underneath this rock, you know, kicking up dirt. It's probably like, you know, digging for crawdads or it's like, it keeps going out into the sun, you know, it's like, it's wanting to feel that like warmth. You know, I remember there's a couple times when you and I, it took us a while to get onto it, but the, we kept seeing smallmouth up in the shallows is like in the middle of summer, they were feeding on, uh, like sunfish beds you know uh but like we we were seeing that stuff because we were observing it's not because like you said we weren't casting and looking directly at our lure like we were kind of like and i will say you do this really well way better you're way better at this than i am so take note i'm saying this you're better than me at this uh you you tend to see things like observations like that better than i do you'll like you'll be rowing in the raft and you'll be like dude look there's a fish doing this or that and i would like completely missed it you know and i think it's because i do tend to look more at where i'm casting or where i'm going to cast next instead right. of like just observing and and part of that is like rowing it forces you to not fish right that's all you can do you're not is, doing much good if you're just watching your your fisherman's bait, you know, you got to be looking around, right? <laughs> yeah. And I do catch Chris not looking at his own bait. A lot yeah. of times when I'm rowing, yeah, there's the downside of it. <laughs> yeah. He does a lot of observing. I'm like, dude, dude, dude. And I'm like thinking he sees this 18 inch fish just completely annihilating his game changer. And he's like <laughs> looking in the opposite direction. <laughs> My brother gets so mad at me for that. Oh man. He hates that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you do. Well, a, I you think do that's do a that. good point, dude. I, I, uh, anything else on that one? No, you know, I don't think so. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. It's just stop and smell the roses. So, um, stop and smell the buttholes, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we're on number five now. So first, one time in the water, two switch less, three fish new places, four stop fishing, five, uh. And this isn't for everybody, so, you know, but it will make you a better angler is fish tournaments. Um, and I, you know, it's very, very like widely applicable concept. I don't know that I would, I don't, I don't agree with this number five, this being the fifth most important thing to make you a better angler. I, at least not in terms of fish tournaments, because I, I don't. I don't particularly enjoy tournaments, but I looked at it as more like competition. Smally games could be a competition for people. So so I would look at it more as like set goals for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's merit to what you're saying. I, so, and I'm not, these aren't necessarily in order of importance, by the way, these are just random, you know, whatever. But I mean, the, I, I look at that as two different things. You know, fishing for smally games, yes, I think that does make you a better angler, and it's competition in a way. That's proven but, scientifically to make you a better angler if you do smally games. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I tournaments for me, 
have taught me a lot over the years. And I've fished tournaments since I've been a little kid. Um, and I alluded to it earlier, but what it makes you realize is like, one, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> That's one. Um, you know, I think a lot of us tend to get on a little bit of a, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good, but we never actually like measure ourselves against everyone else. We just kind of like talk to people after you get out the water, You're like, oh, yeah, I did pretty good or whatever. Like a tournament forces you to like be like, yeah, that guy beat my ass. Like, like, yeah, great. I caught fish, but like he caught more and he caught bigger ones. Um, and it makes you also realize that, you know, I think a lot of people outside of that aren't familiar with fishing, they kind of view fishing as like luck, right? A lot of people will do like that don't fish. They're like, oh yeah, fishing's like luck. But when you go into a tournament, you realize like mm, eh, luck might be a little bit of it, but like the cream rises to the top with freaking fishing and like it can humble you big time. But I've seen guys like myself included of like, okay, like I'm going to really commit to this tournament and I'm going to practice. I'm going to, and it pays off. Like it makes you like, if you finish, you're, you're not going to like fall face first into a good finish most of the time. Um, so like for me, like, I think that that, uh, tournaments are a very specific way. Now it isn't for everybody. And I, I think a lot of guys don't, you know, there's something that like a tournament for me brings out the best in me because it puts pressure on me and it like takes me to a place where like I'm trying, I'm fishing harder. Like I will fish harder during a tournament than I fish doing anything else. And like to the point where it's probably physically not great for me. Cause I like don't eat, I don't drink like, and I'm like, I'm fishing like till the buzzer, like hard. And I just don't fish like that any other time. And you're also puts a time limit on it, right? It's like, okay, the tournament's over at three o'clock. So you're like under pressure to catch fish in this time. And it, for me, it has really, it is definitely made me a better angler, but be, if you tournament fishing is a specific skill set, it's catching the best five fish in a specific period of time. I don't necessarily think that makes you a better trophy fisherman. I'll put it that way. So, because if you become really good at tournament fishing, you can be really good at catching 18s and 17s, but those 20s, like, you're not out there. Yeah, it'd be great to catch 20s, but like, those, usually those aren't the one that win your tournaments unless it's like a national tournament where you need a real upper and fish like that. Like, trophy fishing, I think, is a different game. Um, so, but tournaments, I do strongly believe that it makes you a better fisherman. That's just my opinion on it. So good deal. Well, um, I like that. I mean, I, you know, it works. It, like I said, it's not for everybody, but if it worked for you, it could work. Well, for I mean, us. let me ask you this. The year that we did the competition thing, the 18 inch. Yeah. Do you think that made you a better fisherman? I think like it made that. me fish more, so probably. <laughs> well, I mean, that's another thing. It does make you fish more, you yeah. know? And like a tournament, you don't get to fish on your own terms, too. That's the other thing. You it definitely get didn't make me a better fly fisherman because I. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. Uh, but yeah, like a tournament that, you know, you're fishing a specific place on a specific day at a specific time. Like, you don't get to choose. So those those factors are you can't you can't like oh it's a crappy day like there's days where i fished a tournament that i was like yeah i'm not gonna catch any fish today and i like kill it you know i'm like i would have never went out that day you know had i not signed up for this tournament so it's definitely taught me some stuff from that perspective too um but yeah i think uh so we're we're gonna stop at five right is that what yeah, you want to do i think so we've gone 59 minutes so, yeah, so we'll do a part two episode of part trois. Yeah, top, you know, ten things to make you a better small smallmouth angler. Um, yeah, man, I uh, um, 
are are you planning on getting out anytime soon? I haven't really talked to you about it. Oh, I'm you're going, going to? Well, I'm going to Belize like in two Damn, days. So, so hi, so yeah, hi, roller buddy. Out. Yeah, I'm go- yeah. I'm going to be getting out doing some salt fishing next week. So yeah, well that'll be fun. I'm I'm on number nine twenty of the year, so I need to hit double digits. I need one more, um, and I have not much time left to do it. So. I might just have to go out while you're gone. So catch some twenties. Yeah. Well, good luck. Uh, good luck floating on the rivers. Yeah, it's still incredibly low. Some, how how do we keep getting like these rains that aren't rain? Like, I don't keep, know. I'm like, what? Like, oh, there's rain. In the forecast. It's like point zero one inches accumulation. Like, what the it's fuck? Worry, it's worrisome. I mean, I'm, you know, I I don't ever remember a time that like I'm worried for spring. I'm like, man, are we going to have any water this spring? I mean, I'm hoping that we get just absolutely hammered with wa- with rain here. I would love to see the rivers just blown out, personally. Yeah, I would too, man. It, it, we, <sighs> I mean, we haven't seen anything for a while. Um, so are you taking any, have you got any special things you're taking to Belize? Anything new in your box? No, not really. Um, I'm just, you know, I am going to take a fly rod. Uh, with some with some um, with some flies, so uh, you know I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work. We, I really have done almost no research for this vacation, so we're going with another couple, and they've you know they've kind of taken the taken the wheel as far as planning and stuff goes. So yeah, it'll be fun, man. I'm looking forward to it, and when we get back, we'll definitely get together and get out for our week after christmas trip that we always do so yeah dude we we're definitely gotta gotta do that go to our give our winter spot a another another whirl i broke yeah. off that freaking monster dude i gotta go back for it yeah you do you know he's still got a spinnerbait my spinnerbait hanging <laughs> in his mouth dude <laughs> my right, God. Man, well, i'll uh i'll shoot you some texts of my just completely naked body on the beach in belize and uh, you can have those for your... to that, but DM me. <laughs> uh, well, I did get a couple things new in my box. I wanted to share real quick. Oh, okay, um, I got these. Um, so I, I t- we're, t- we're talking about this on the podcast a little bit last night, but I completely r- like ruined all my spinnerbait. So I'm collecting some new. My, I'm building up my spinnerbait uh, um, arsenal up again. And honestly, you know, if you know me, you know, like I love to throw spinnerbaits specifically in the spring. And it, it's, to be honest, it's what's getting me through winter right now. I watch that video of you and Derek on White River <laughs> all the time. And like the thought of my jet boat being done and like early, early March, like just going out and throwing a half ounce spinnerbait all day, dude, it gets me boned up so much. I'm looking for, I'm going, I'm hitting this house remodel hard. So I'd tell him, Katie, March comes. I don't give a shit what's done, what's not done. Like I'm fishing my ass off from March really all the way through, you know, at least like May. Like I'm going to be fishing twice a week, like hard, hard, hard. Get it, baby. You've so, earned it. You've been doing work on that house. Yeah, dude, I'm. It's it's starting to come together. We but an, it, we're gonna do an MTV Cribs episode of the podcast. Yeah, but done. yeah, I know. Uh, so I got uh, the new Plano Edge spinnerbait box to prevent further deterioration of my new spinnerbaits. But I got some Demiki spinnerbaits. Uh, a little a little juice to that one. Um, okay. So I got a, a, like two or three of those. I, re- I read a, a article on the like top spinnerbaits of 2022, and the, these are all like ranked really high. Um, throwback, Terminator, bud. Terminator. Yeah, yeah, Terminator spinnerbait. They look like pretty good. And then the old trusty. I got five of these. This will the last me about a month. Yep, River Special. Mm, yep, Accent, River Special, Jake, Jacob Wheeler, R- River Special. And then... A little bit of a see. This is the one I was like, dude. Chris is gonna love this shit. Check this out, dude. Tell me, tell me this doesn't make you wanna just 
not fly fish. <laughs> <laughs> check check that out, dude. Oh, buddy, look at that uh, thing. Oh, you like that? It's basically a fly. <laughs> it is deer hair. So, uh, Nate's custom baits, so he hand ties all of his, and they all have some sort of natural hair. Um, but yeah, Chris, back in the day, dude, red spinnerbait, that was his jam. That's that's what he loved. Yeah, so, I sure did. Did you caught, caught some big fish on a caught black some and red monsters? <laughs> you got some absolute I, giants on that little red spinnerbait, dude. It was red and black, and it had a treble hook on it instead of a regular straight hook, which is very odd. Very, it was so odd. Josh laughed at me when I got I did, it. dude. I saw I you catch so many big fish on that thing, yeah. and you, I, the day they stopped making them, dude, I, I think I thought you're. You you were very upset. <laughs> Here's what, like a year after I lost access to them, I was fishing with your brother and he had one in his box. I literally paid him like 25 bucks for it. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to lose this. Literally three casts later, I lost it on a pike. Oh my. <laughs> he probably got it from you somehow. Yeah, yeah probably. Anyways, do well. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? No, man. Hope you have fun in Belize. Um, Thanks, baby. Yeah. Get these boys wet for the next five uh, tips. Hot tips. Um, Hot tips. And uh, let's go get me a 20, dude. Let's go freaking get me a 20. Hashtag get Josh a 20. I need a 20, dude. I got, you know, about 20 days to do it. So 20 days to get a 20. You know, we, we've caught many a 20s this time of year. I will go out when you're gone, though, because I I almost went out today, and I was like... There would have been a good day for it. I thought so. I was like, uh, dude, I bet you I'd smash them today. Yeah. It was, it was kind nice, of warm. nice and overcast and warm. Damn, Probably I should have went. Well. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, and as always, free the fighter. Free the fighter, baby. You better believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>